Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here again with Minisode number 24, rocking, rocketing down the list, and rocking, we're rocking down the list. Um, we're just going to jump right in, and by we, I mean me and my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hey, that's me. How you doing? Good. All right. So we've got a... If you were to, there's 24 episodes now, if you were to listen to one... 24 minisodes. Minisodes, I mean. If you were to listen to one every hour of the day... Now you have one for every hour of the day. Most of them are an hour long, so you could use the rest of that hour to do something else. Yeah. Paint Grab a picture. Eat. Yeah. eat something. One of those, you'll just spend 10 minutes listening to me complain about people talking in movies. There you go. You know? You could eat while you're doing that. Why not? You can listen. It's a little disrespectful. To you? Yeah. Or to the food? Me, obviously. It's 10 minutes. Spend the other 50 eating. It'll be fine. And then move on. Yeah, all right. To me talking about how I wasn't sure if I wanted you as my co-host. <laughs> Did you ever listen to that one? I guess not. <laughs> yeah, those are the only those are the early days. I talked about how much I didn't like you. Anyway, oh, um, I should listen to that. I'm sure I've heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it every single time I've talked to you. <laughs> um, Even if it's just in the tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Josh. Hey, good to see you. Yes. Want to record this podcast? I brought you some cookies. And then the sound of, okay, imagine the sound of me slapping them to the ground. And they're on like a silver tray and right. it hits them in the tray, does that thing where it rattles around on yeah. the floor for a little while. And then Josh says, oh, my hey. cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> I think you got your next web series, buddy. <laughs> But, uh, okay, moving on, uh, we have what's known in the podcast business, business is generous, uh, as a hard out, all right? We got to get in, get out. Thankfully, we can do that with this week's mini-sode in which we'll be talking about my third favorite film of all time, Steven Spielberg's Jaws. You've seen it. Based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've seen it, Josh has seen it, I've seen it. Look, we all know what we're talking about here. All right? <laughs> so good night, everyone. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we, this is another one that we used as a companion film. Companion film, yeah. I was, I was thinking, I feel like we have talked about Jaws, and then I remember yeah. that's what it was. Uh, we talked about it with uh, Moneyball, mm. and so uh, we don't need to go into a great deal of detail for a number of reasons, um, not the least of which is everybody has seen it. Mm. Um, but what I will say is Jaws is a movie that I've been thinking about lately. Not merely because I was watching some special features on my Blu-ray, which, by the way, if you do not have the Jaws Blu-ray, you should get it. It's great. The movie looks great, sounds great, good special features. Um, it's it's worth your time and money. Jo- uh, Josh, do you own Jaws? I only have the DVD right now. You know what you got to do? I'm living in the past. Got to get yourself that Blu-ray. All right. Okay. Good. There's, a, there's a lot of things I got to get. Yeah. With it, for example. What? You gotta get with it. Oh, no. With it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a dance movie. It's also Doesn't my it favorite. Like it could be a dance movie. It's also my favorite Devo song. <sighs> anyway. So um but yeah, so I was thinking about it, but I was also thinking about it because uh, listeners of uh, Battleship Pretension may recall that we uh, did an episode recently about blockbuster fatigue. Mm. And uh and that's something that other people certainly, but I myself have been feeling a lot lately is just, 
you know, summer movies come out, and I don't see all of them. I see some of them. Um, and even the ones that I do see, I might like a couple of them, but most of them, I just they just tire me out. They just exhaust me. Because it's all about spectacle, and I'm not opposed to spectacle at all. But that's just, that's entirely what it's about. Just loud noises, flashes of light. Yeah. Often there's buildings falling down. And I just... And it's weird that in the midst of this, I just don't care about anything happening. I wonder, I I have thought recently, I wonder if you were to take several of the big blockbuster movies from the last few years and just kind of track the shots and see how many of them have the same big spectacle shots, like the one where something big is falling towards the camera or like the one where we wrap around our hero to reveal something on the other side of him or like there's all these shots that you just are recycled and recycled and recycled just yeah in service of special effects because that's the exact point and that yeah that's the way to to phrase it is it is in special effects used to be in service of story and don't get me wrong like i understand that this is not a new development as far back as you know yeah, there's plenty of stuff in the early Ray 80s. Ray Harryhausen, like, there are movies that were made to focus on special effects. Yeah. But I feel like maybe the effects weren't so advanced that they recognized, well, we also need to have characters we care about. You know, we need to care about Faye Ray. Otherwise, we might not... I don't know. If we care about the fate of the characters in King Kong, then maybe we'll forgive some of the not great special effects Mm -hmm. whereas now with special effects you can do basically everything and that is enough yeah for some filmmakers and for some audiences i think you and i are in the minority here Mm. um but also blockbusters you know there's no guarantee like year by year there there are major flops and i think it's probably because there's just so many of them yeah that you know if, if the avengers is out and then a week later, Battleship comes out. It's like, well, the Avengers was really good. I'd rather see that again. Uh, that seemed to be the the uh, response most people had to Battleship, and it did yeah. not do well. And when the whole summer is just packed full of them, I mean, you see these producers who are like fighting for yeah spots so that their movie can be the top yeah. of the box office. And, and it's just like, move it to December, you'll be fine. Yeah, but or, just the, the mere fact that from March through September or whatever. Every week is gonna have has got to have some kind of blockbuster. Yeah, everyone's trying to make one to and shoehorn it into that schedule somehow. And so, as everyone knows, the first blockbuster summer blockbuster was Jaws. Nobody expected it to be. I think they. Pr- I don't know officially, but I think they released it in summer because it took place in summer. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have been as simple as that. I think it also had to do with just you know making sh- like releasing it. At a certain, t- making sure it was finished at a certain time because there were union issues. Um, I think there was a strike going on for a sort <laughs> a certain time. So there was there was a lot of stuff happening. But um, think how interesting it would be if it had been released in December. Yeah. And then there's oh, and then you know, forty years later, it's like oh, these these winter blockbuster oh, winter <laughs> blockbuster season is coming up. I wish there was a Christmas side plot in Jaws. That'd be interesting. Where he's just like, I gotta get home to my kids. It's there Christmas a- for crying out loud. <laughs> ah, Christmas. 
that's my Quint. <laughs> I, would love to, I would love to see Quint having a, having a monologue about how much he doesn't like Christmas. <laughs> I remember the who's down in Whoville. Um, I'm he, casting Quint as the Quint Grinch. himself carved the roast beast. <laughs> the, the Quinch. That's what he would be. Um, oh, and then Hooper. Man, this thing works out. There you go. Uh, but anyway, so that was the first summer blockbuster, and then... Uh, it just everything exploded from there. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about Jaws and just the cultural impact of it. Everybody has seen it. Yeah. And even if you haven't seen it, you know a lot about it. You know the music. You, you know, know the poster. The po- oh, you ab- absolutely you know the poster. Yeah. And um, and it just it has just we've absorbed it into our DNA as a country and maybe even as a world. Mm-hmm. And yet the, the, you know, the images and the music that's great, but that's not enough. So what is it that makes jaws work so well, especially considering too, that it's at its core, it's a creature feature, Yeah, which I mean, how many, how many other creature features can you say, have had this kind of an impact on the culture. Certainly, uh, there's not any that have had this kind of impact. Right. I don't know that there are many that even come close. Well, and that's the thing. Any creature feature that was released after Jaws is just going to try to be Jaws. Yeah. Whether it be, some cases, like Orca and Piranha or Alligator, (laughs) but also stuff like... Yeah. Also stuff like Grizzly and just anything in which an animal that exists is killing people, it's probably going to be based on Jaws. There will probably be a great white hunter type. Mm. Um, you get this kind of with Jurassic Park as well, yeah, which is also Spielberg. But um, Except uh, so many of the characters are Hooper. But, uh, <laughs> but that's the thing. And you know what? As much as I like Jurassic Park, it doesn't hold a candle. It does not no. hold a candle to Jaws. Yeah. And it's just... And I think a lot of it comes down to the characters and the fact that Jaws taps into a story that is much older than, you know, the 1970s. Um, I, I'm sure I talked about this when we discussed it with Moneyball, that uh, in high school, when I started to get into theater and stuff, my dad gave me a, uh, a play by uh, Henrik Ibsen called uh, An Enemy of the People. And have you read it? I haven't, and I probably should because there is a Satyajit Ray film based on that, and I, yes. I should read the play first. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a wonderful play. I absolutely love it. Um, and it's basically, it's the story, it's Jaws without the shark. <laughs> Instead of the shark, it is basically um, contaminated water in a, in a village that is kind of a... They don't use the word tourist, but they, it's basically a tourist destination because it has all these like these really nice spas and baths and stuff like that. And then this doctor determines, oh, we are getting like there's contaminated water and there's people who come here are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it and so he says this and it's going to hurt tourism. It's going to hurt money. It's going to financially hurt the town. And so the doctor winds up just demonized by the town elders. That's. Jaws, yeah, you know, um, and so the idea that there's a guy who was trying to do the right thing, and no one will believe will believe him, or even if they do believe him, they won't go along with him because they're like playing the odds. 
but then you also but he has some people on his side he you know he recruits this you know this young scientist i'm talking about jaws now not uh <laughs> not enemy of the people there is no young uh oceanographer but um <laughs> you know and so it's just I feel like, and Brody in Jaws is such a wonderful everyman. Mm. He's a lot like us. It's just like, yeah, yeah, the water's fine. I don't really, I'm not totally comfortable in it as I am a mammal. Mm. Um, and it's just, I'm a big fan of when a character, especially in horror, when a character does everything that we would think of doing in that situation. Yeah. Because then if it doesn't work, we're like, oh, man, he is screwed. Yeah. Because I'm out of ideas. Yeah. We, that gives us a real connection to that character. Yeah. Um, it, when you, the way you're putting a lot of it, it I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it so much, but it, there's so many, so many elements of this that almost seem like they could be their own movie. It's like, a, it's like they took a hundred good ideas and put them all in this one movie. Like, just first the idea of just having a creature feature, like the, mm-hmm. the interest of something that we don't see that's kind of scary. Um, the idea of somebody who has to go against the grain. Yeah. Uh, the idea of somebody who thinks that he's, thinks maybe he's crazy, like realizes something's wrong and wants to fix it, and then thinks maybe he's wrong. Yeah. And has that self-doubt. Um, the idea of these three people having to come together who do not fit together to solve yeah. a common problem. Um, there's just so many great... Each one of those could be their own, like, this is the core theme of the movie. Yeah. This is what the movie's about. But all of those are happening at the same time. Yeah, and then... And more. You know, you bring in... That's the... Uh, <laughs> Let's just go watch Jaws. <laughs> Let's just do it. We'll record ourselves while we do it. Um, yeah, it's just... you. You don't get better. You do mm. not get better than Jaws. Like, the characters are so fascinating. Here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> Think of everything that Josh just said. All these different story elements. Now imagine Captain Ahab from Moby Dick is there, too. <laughs> there you get Quint. You know? And just like, oh, that seems like a major story element. It is. Yeah. And yet it does not overwhelm the film. No. Because as much as I love Quint, and Quint is maybe my favorite supporting character of all time, uh... Hooper is still pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, it, the most recent time I watched it, I really started to pay attention to old Mayor Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I was a big, like, I used to view him as just purely negative, just a typical bureaucrat and stuff. And I remember there was a, t- I am still watching it and finding new things. There's a scene where somebody has been attacked on 4th of July and the mayor is just mumbling to himself in the hospital and Brody is confronting him. And then... Uh, the mayor says, Martin, my kids were on that beach too. And he says it in a way that for years I thought was um, antagonistic as if to say, as if say like, Hey, back off, you know, you weren't the only one there. That's how I took it for a long time watching it now and really paying attention to Murray Hamilton. That's the actor paying attention to his face and his physical movements as he says it it's just like no it's it's more him realizing what he has done and the realization it could have it could have been them i put everyone in danger because i was acting in the town's best interest it's the thing he mumbles and in that moment it's just him saying clearly what is on his mind yes he's trying to justify himself to a certain extent but more than anything, he's just aware 
more than he ever has been of the damage he has done and the fact that it could have hit home and it didn't and he's thankful for it but he's just so overwhelmed with the events that has that have happened and it's just like even in that moment a character that i have for 30 years considered to be the antagonist and just purely negative in that moment becomes so human and it just it's a film that it just gains every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it more than any other. Uh, there's no question. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I've seen Jaws more than any other movie mm-hmm. uh, in the world. And um, and just you care about these characters. That's why it works. It creates strong characters that we can relate to and then puts them in a situation that involves special effects and thrills and all that. You can't just have the thrills you can't just have the special effects because yes the effects might be dazzling yes the thrills might you know in a in a scary movie we might jump but the scares won't remain mm-hmm. um i've been talking for a while uh and we don't have to talk much longer but like you know how, how old were, just out of curiosity how old were you when you first saw jaws i don't think i saw it until i was a little bit older because i remember it being on tv when i was younger and i can i have a memory of my parents being like i don't know if he's old enough for this um mm. so i probably saw it in high school for the first time which is pretty old um and again it is one that i've seen uh, certainly not as many times as you have but it is one that i've seen multiple times and I think I've said on the show before, it's one of those ones that if if it's on, you just watch it. You know, like, there's only a few movies that if you're flipping through the channels on TV and you see, oh, so-and-so's on, you're like, oh, well, I'm watching the rest of it. Yeah, there's no question about and it. And that's one of them. Um, there was a time back in Denver, I believe, in which I was in uh, the basement, I was playing pool, and I happened to be, uh, I don't know, was, and I think I was listening to music or something like that, and... Um, there's a break in the music, and I happen to hear the whistling of a certain tune upstairs on TV. And there's a scene in which two characters that I don't think... Uh, they're Charlie and something else. Uh, just two guys who are trying to catch the shark. We never really see their faces. Um, and they're whistling as they prepare to try to catch the shark. And I recognized that tune and I stopped what I was doing, scampered upstairs. And sure enough, my dad was watching jaws and I watched the rest of it with him because what choice did I have? (laughs) Yeah. Not watching jaws. Come on. I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's one of those things that like, because so many moments of it are great. You're like, Oh, this is the part where so and so happens. Yeah. So and such and such happens, and then right after that is the part where something yeah. else happens, and like so many good things keep happening in a row. Um, there's some movies where it's like, oh, I don't want to miss the part where this one thing happens. But yeah. this is a movie where like the whole movie's like that. And that's the thing is, we have scenes where it's like, uh oh, here comes trouble. Well, yes, but uh, oh, here comes Ben Gardner's head out of that hole in the hull. Um, it's a hull hole. That's what I call it. Okay. Anyway, um, Checks out. it's like it's like oh, I hear that? Like that's the kind of scene where it's like oh boy, but it's just as like maybe not anymore. But I know that for me, it's just as likely that I don't want to miss Quint's monologue about the Indianapolis. Hmm. That I don't want to miss the quiet scene between Brody and his son. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to miss those just as much as I don't want to miss like a major. Yeah. Thrill scene. Right. 
And that's something special. Yeah. You watch any horror movie and yes, like, you know, I definitely don't want to miss, I don't want to miss this fun scare. But with Jaws, you don't want to miss any of it. Yeah. There are no lulls. There are moments of more action or less action, but there's no lulls. Everything is everything that is there needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And it all works to build character, build story, build suspense. None of it feels artificial to me. Um, you know, and that's the thing is I'll, I'll throw this out there. Think of like the most recent big blockbuster and don't get me wrong. I, I, I like the Avengers. I liked Star Trek into darkness. I'm not opposed to modern blockbusters, but just think of like, I did see the first transformers film, but I didn't see the other two, but all three of them, they're always number one. Uh, certainly the week they are released, but they're usually in the top five of that year. Um, Mm -hmm. And just when I when I watch Quint die in Jaws, spoilers. Meh, they've <laughs> seen it. Um, when I watch Quint die, my heart is racing. I know he's going to die. I know the way his yell sounds. I know exactly <laughs> when the blood's going to come out of his mouth. I I know when he's going to grab the machete. I've seen it a million times, and yet it is still harrowing for me and it's because i'm watching a character that i care about die in Mm -hmm. a horrible fashion as opposed to if i were to watch transformers and whether a character dies or merely in danger i guarantee after that first time if that i'm not going to care my my heart's not going to be racing it's just going to be a thing that happens and that's it and i'm sorry to to frame jaws only in terms of oh it's better than these other things but it is. That's why it's timeless. People yeah. will always be talking about Jaws. Yeah. As long as there are movies, people will always be talking about Jaws, and they will be influenced by Jaws. Major filmmakers, from Kevin Smith, whose work I tend not to like, to Brian Singer, whose work I tend to like, have cited Jaws as like one of the reasons they got into filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so engaging, and there's so much going on about you know personal sacrifice and doing what's right in the face of opposition. And in and even if it wasn't that, it's still just a great story with great characters and wonderful thrills. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. This episode, short and sweet, not saying anything more than we have to, in true Jaws fashion. <laughs> um, all right. So if you guys want to uh, chime in about this or anything else, you can email me, Tyler at MoreThanOneLesson.com or Josh, Josh at MoreThanOneLesson.com. And you can go to morethanonelesson.com itself. There are a couple of uh, blog entries about Breaking Bad that are up right now that you can read by Travis and Reed. And there will probably be more as the uh, series comes to a close. And I think that is about it. Uh, Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye.